The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by Hash House Go Go, the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, Brew City Brand Apparel, TheFoodConnectionLV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. Comics from all over come to Los Angeles to go up at Goldie's. Shouldn't it be some sort of pecking order based off time put in at the club? Ooh, there's a pecking order. Goes me, you. This club is the only runway to the Tonight Show. When the time comes, we blow them away. You've got no idea what I'm trying to do up there. Oh, that's something I share with your audience. We'll never do something that doesn't benefit me first. That makes me the devil you know. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Those are scenes from Melissa Leo's Showtime hit, I'm Dying Up Here. You probably know Melissa best from the Mark Wahlberg film The Fighter, where she won the Oscar, the Golden Globe, and the Screen Actors Guild Award. Please welcome to The Fake Show, Melissa Leo. Hi, Jim. Thank you for joining me. Happy to join you. Is that, um, is that a harpsichord in your whole music? Do you even know? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's been a while since I've heard that. I hope it was very relaxing for you, though. It was It was funny because I don't like the piano, and I was thinking, why is this so pleasant? And it was affected. Um, <laughs> and then I realized, I think it's not a piano. I think it's a harpsichord. Oh, nice. Yeah. I am really enjoying I'm Dying Up Here. I've seen every episode, and where you play gold you mean every episode that's aired every episode that's aired yes i haven't uh, been privy to the ones that haven't been on yet me neither this you know they did show us a bunch loosely based on on mitzi shore's comedy club and it was really an interesting time in comedy then wasn't it in 1973 i on my read on it and i am not the most informed person on the subject i just had such a ball playing goldie and you know, after I had been playing her for about three days, realizing from talk on the set that, oh, she was based on somebody real? Oh, maybe I should read that book and see what that's about. Yeah. And so I then went and found out about her, and it's really, it's a word that gets overused, but I, in my heart of hearts, Mitzi Shore was a unique individual who saw a potential in something that had not, that would have maybe even died off in some weird way. There's a reach back into vaudeville with stand-up comedians. But when vaudeville was clearly dead by the 70s, right. what was going to happen with the comics, you know? In nightclubs sharing stages with folk singers and poetry readings and catch what you can. And Missy opened up a comedy club. Stage, a spotlight on the performer. And, and come out for the funny. I'm assuming that she transitioned that club into full-time comedy when it was actually something else. That's what the read in the book says. Her husband went to the East Coast. He had this place up on the Sunset Strip. She painted it black, put a spotlight on the stage, and said, only comics. Yeah. And prior to that, they'd had a lot of things up there, you know, and, and sort of mostly a place for him and his old pals from Bodville to hang out. Right, right. <laughs> I interviewed Andrew Santino, who actually plays one of the real comedians on, on the show, and he was just marveling at your commanding presence, which I thought was pretty neat for a comedian to say. stand-ups to notice anybody else in the room (laughs) exactly yeah oh my god i love those guys so much they are so purely themselves andrew al madrigal uh, eric griffin they're stand-up comedians who have parlayed their careers now into acting as well and doing bang-up jobs 
all of them. As a matter of fact, I invited Eric to be a part of a film I was helping to produce this spring. Um, and I see his potential as an actor hugely, you know. And the, and just it's such a conglomeration of people there on our set, our, our writers, our crew, and the stand-up comics, and the actors playing stand-up comics. On the show, and I'm sure back in that era, probably somewhat true today, comedians were not always helpful to each other. There was envy and jealousy, and, and the knives really came out. I'm wondering if you've run into that much in the acting world. No, that's what you're saying. Oh, gosh, there's so many things to say about it, because it's very true. To be a comedian and stand up and go, I'm going to make you laugh, is probably the most terrifying job I have ever encountered. To be an actor is a different thing. I, Melissa, actually get to hide within my character, and that's what makes me comfortable to act. Stand up there and share in a masked way my own ugly truths for people to laugh at? So brave. And so, yes, it takes a certain kind of ego. And that's why I love those guys for that ego, that if you just left it at those few words, you'd think, oh, they're big-headed. Yeah. It has to be. It's not true with acting. Some actors can be, but you don't have to be. <laughs> I know that you went through the uh, the SUNY Purchase acting program. Did you always feel from, really, from the beginning that this is who you were? Oh, from long before I found myself at SUNY Purchase. When I was, uh, probably before I was five years old, I was working with Peter Schumann and Elka Schumann with the Bread and Puppets Theater, building puppets and making political theater in New York City in the early 60s. Uh, I didn't know that there was something that was called acting, but I did understand that you could go and play with these very serious grown-ups and pretend to be Jesus' mother Mary or a donkey. Yeah. And people would believe you when you pretended. And I knew back then that somewhere that is where I would find my comfort and belonging in the world. Well, I loved you in Homicide, and that was, to me, it just seemed like such a groundbreaking role as the female detective when I don't think that we had seen much of that. (laughs) You're making me well up with tears because Kay meant so much to me, personally. And here's a little fact. There was no female homicide detective in David Simon's book on which the show was based. There was a lot of very clear lines from the characters he had, from the human beings he had spent time with to the characters we all played. But there was no female. There had never been in the history of the Baltimore PD in 1990-whatever it was, a female homicide police. In the United States of America at that time, not so long ago, there might have been a half a dozen female homicide police. Yes, it was groundbreaking. I just recall the the strong character, and you wore pants and occasionally a tie. And I think I think that <laughs> you're probably someone who looks at whatever the wardrobe is going into a role, and that's very important, isn't it? Oh, it's hugely important. In the very first episode of Showtime of the of the I'm Dying Up Here, uh, Goldie the woman I'm playing, pulls out her breasts and tries to impress somebody in a certain way. And that'll get people watching the show. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is why it's in there, because that's what we do in my business. And I needed to find a way to make it work within this character I was building, within this story we were telling. I know why it's there on TV. It bores the crap out of me personally, but sorry for the French. <laughs> anyway, my costume designer, Christy Wittenborn, made that scene work. And in fact, was the flourish, the touch, the belief that I could have that I would be Goldie, my costume designer. I wanted to just finish with one last question. Actors are notoriously insecure, but when you won the Oscar and other awards for The Fighter, did you kind of feel sort of accepted finally? Um, yeah, and but I would say not really in the way that you might think or say, so... I was, yeah, it's, uh, 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 I spend a very, I spend, I don't spend my life um, with other people who do what I do largely. I'm with them when I'm at work. Right. And when I'm not at work, I'm by myself or with my close friends and family. And um, the acceptance by what I can now call a group of my peers was enormous to this little girl from East Village. <laughs> you can hear it remains difficult to even put a, a voice to. It was extraordinary. It was an extraordinary moment in this career full of so many variables and changes and uh, my life. And I know that you've got so many roles coming up. I've heard great things. A little bit of buzz about this movie that you're involved with at the moment, Furlough, and many other things. Look for Melissa on I'm Dying Up Here on Showtime. It's really, really good. And it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Lovely interview. Thank you. All right, Melissa, take care. She is so good in that role. And if you look at her internet movie database listing, she's got four or five new films coming out soon. Well, that is the end of this edition of The Fake Show. Thanks for liking and sharing our Fake Show Twitter and Facebook pages. My sponsors appreciate it. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show on SoundCloud and get alerts when there are new episodes. 